Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show today. Dr. Garland Dalkey is joining us from the Iowa Beef Center. We're going to talk about beef, uh, dairy, cross cattle, some of the differences in production, some of the differences in outcomes. Uh, really excited to have him on the show. Stay tuned. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson and I am joined today here at Iowa State University by Dr. Garland Dalkey. And most of you don't know, but Dr. Dalkey is the one, if you've used the brands program to ration, balance rations or to feed cattle or to feed cows and calves, this is the guy that wrote it. So um, pretty cool honor to have him on the show and have you with us. He's a research scientist for the Iowa Beef Center which covers all of Iowa and the upper Midwest and, and, and more and more. How many years have you been with the Beef Center? I've been um, 20 years with the Beef Center. Then I did a little time here in graduate school, so six years there. But there was a break in between. So That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about what you do at the Beef Center. Well, um, I guess I got hired back to support software. We have our brands program, which I developed that. That was my project on the side. But we also had a lot of beef tracking, feedlot monitoring program stuff. And um, so I, I wrote the program and then supported it. And um, it's still being used a little bit, not as much as it had been in the past. Um, then ester synchronization software, and then a lot of odds and ends in between. So yeah, And a lot of research. A little bit, yeah. Little and bit. the feedlot and... and... So um, one of the things that you've been researching or have been working on too is with these beef on dairy cross calves. That's right, that's right. And actually I got my start with those 50 years ago when I was a little kid, because we, we had dairy farm. And uh, whenever we had cows that didn't breed well, we just breed them with an Angus bull. And at the time too, we, were, we had Guernsey cows and that was phased out. We moved into Holstein, so a lot of our Guernsey cattle we bred with we usually a Hereford or Angus, usually Angus, and then we were selling those calves, and there's a feed yard in Illinois that was buying them up and feeding them all along. So <laughs> I was in on this from the ground floor, I guess. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, it's amazing to me because, you know, you hear those stories and you hear different genetics, you know, make, actually increase our conception rates and, and things of that nature. But when we started talking about some of the production differences, when we get these calves at the feedlot, they, they've been raised quite differently than the beef calf. That's right. Most of the time, quite differently. And um, a lot of times they, they're weaned onto a high grain diet. And um, they, they look, a lot of that is kind of short-term gains, I think, is what's being looked at. Some of them are like on a straight to a pellet. And then things happen in between. But they'll usually end up at a calf ranch and then to a feed yard. And their rumens really aren't developed as a traditional beef calf would be, and that does give us some trouble, I think, in the feed yard. Yeah, and, and I think people need to understand that the beef on dairy cross, so the upper third of dairy cows are going to be used in milk production, are going to be used to propagate more dairy genetics. The bottom two-thirds, six million dairy cows, are going to get crossed with a beef, either semen or a beef embryo, and then brought to our industry in the feedlot because they don't want to propagate those genetics, right? That's right. That's right. So pretty big infusion. 
It is, yeah. Right now with the sex semen, it really is a big boost in these dairy cross calves. Where in the past, it was just kind of hard breeders became part of that pool. So it is, it's a big deal right now. And then there's a lot of milk on the market. There's quotas being introduced. So there's even more and more coming on because of that. And, and you know, we see the, the steer market being replaced. We don't feed many Holstein steers. No, anymore. no, that's a hard <laughs> one to find these days. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, but um, very interesting topic. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, let's talk about kind of starting them on feed when they're coming off of that grain starter. Sure. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back more with Dr. Garland Dalkey. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Garland Dalkey, and we're at Iowa State University in Kildee Hall, where Dr. Dalkey is a research scientist for the Iowa Beef Center. He's been with them many years. He has done so much for our industry on software development and research, and he was raised on a dairy and then came to the feedlot world and, and did research. So he, he himself is a Dairy on beef cross. I am. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So you know, you've you fed some of these calves out at our uh, feed yard, and, and but you know, when these calves are coming off of that that grain starter, there are probably some different challenges than when we have calves coming off of grass or just straight off the cow. Yeah, I think so. And um, I don't know. You know, a lot of times we talk about animal health and rumen health going side by side, and we. You always hear all these crashes and burns regarding eating dairy beef, and I think that may be part of the thing because the rumen's really not developed as a, a beef calf would be, and um, I think that's one of the challenges, and I think that's one of the big steps calf ranches need to recognize if they want to develop cattle that are 1,600 pounds like we're feeding now. That's what we're in Iowa. That's that's kind of the outweight now, and um, these. These high energy diets initially give you a big boost, but if we look at Canada where they do the red veal, you know, they're selling them at 900 pounds. Right. And, you know, we still got another 700 pounds to go. So how do you do that? And I think we really need to look at this initial calf nutrition to, to work at that, to, to try and hit that, that final endpoint. So when we see some of these calves coming in, I mean, when you throw a 50% roughage diet on from them, they're gonna say, what the heck is that? It is, it is. Um, there's some things I think we can do to help them. You know, a lot of times we talk about long hay and all that, and that's fine. But I think a haylage diet, good yep. haylage, not just junk, not right. something off a compost pile, good silage. They seem to take to that a little better. There's, there's flavor to it. You know, they, they like stuff that tastes good like us. It's a smaller particle size. They can eat more of it faster. I think that helps quite a bit. In some of the stuff that we're doing here at Iowa State, that's where we've kind of gone to, to a haylage, silage type of diet to get these guys started. And you so, see them take it to it a little bit better, don't you? They do. They take right to it. Day one, they're on to it. They're chewing their cud that afternoon. You know, it, it works pretty nice. And that, so. you know, that kind of goes along with the, the it's, silage has always been that in-between uh, half concentrate, half roughage, and so maybe it is a natural, and that shorter particle size, I bet, is easier to sell. It is. I think that's a, a big deal for these little, because they have a small mouth, you know, yeah. and they can chew on its stem of hay all day, and it doesn't really do much for them. Silage, they can take it in. 
But I think, you know, a lot of people get burned on silage in the past because they just didn't make good silage. I think that's maybe the big thing. And coming from a dairy farm, you know, we, we lived and breathed good silage. Yep. From up north, you know, we don't have dry weather, so we couldn't make good dry hay consistently. So that's just by default what we were on. But you learn maybe the hard way that you got to make good silage to make <laughs> this work, you know. So Yeah. And I, you know, I see those calves um, when we knee crops them how thin their rumen wall is because they've been handling milk replacers and this 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 grain-based starter they haven't developed that rumen musculature to really move the forages around the way they need to anyway that's right that's right yeah it's they're set behind a little bit because of that and so we need to keep that in mind looking forward as we're trying to one other steps. one other question then you know we build the rations where we step them up to more of a finisher do you also build intake to, to help build that room and musculature? Um, I think so. I think it goes hand in hand. It works together. And um, I think the thing is, like, you use high quality feed for these little guys. I think that just drives everything else naturally. And, it, you know, it, we can't, like here at, at Iowa State, our, our dry forage is fescue hay grass. And it's kind of coarse. Yep. For fat cattle, it works fine. But for these little guys, not so good, you know. So we've gone to like a rileage, which is very high quality, and um, they take to it and they eat and they eat and they just keep going. And it, it really helps, I think, the cause it makes everybody's job a lot easier. It's awesome. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the performance differences between beef on dairy cross and beef steers in the feed yard with Dr. Garland Dalkey. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Garland Dalkey, and he is a research scientist for the Iowa Beef Center. He has been a staple to the Iowa beef industry for over two decades and uh, tickled to get you on the show and spend some time with you and talk about something that's really kind of changing our industry, these beef on dairy cross calves. Yeah, that's that's right. They are. They're the new kid on the block for they the are. most part. And you know, they're consistent. They have consistent genetics. They're, they're raised somewhat consistently before we get them. Um, and, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit. You guys have done some research looking at different performances. And, and I know you do a lot of the stats for the Iowa beef industry. But what, what kind of experiences do you see on the performance side of these guys versus beef calves? Well, you know, I guess sometimes they get a bad rap, and a lot of it deals with health. Mm. It's it's a big thing. So then it goes into your department. That's right. But um, you know, when they're feeling good and growing good, they're really hard to stop. You know, we've had some little trials here, like during COVID, we needed something to do, and so the farm manager here at Iowa State, he got a bunch of these dairy cross calves from the ISU dairy. We fed them, took them all the way through. We got them at 250 pounds. Sold them at fourteen fifty. We probably could have went to fifteen hundred, but we had to make room for other animals. And um, you know, we had a pen of heifers under closeout. They did four over four. Oh my gosh! They really smoked it. They we had a pen of steers. They were the mates to these heifers. They did two nine eight. The difference was we had some chronics in that yeah. steer pen. And how do you get over it? It was mycoplasma. Maybe that's what the attending vet said it was. And um, you know, you, you fight those all the way through. And I say when they're, they're healthy, they're as good as anything out there. We see, we see that mycoplasma. If you have one of these beef dairy cross calves and they drop an ear, okay. it's almost always mycoplasma. And, and we spend more time reading the, the 
ocular secretions out of the eyes and nasal secretions and a beef steer we kind of you know they would tough it out but if one of these little dairy calves drops an ear or has that going on man get them in and treat them yeah they're little there's not a lot of buffer there to hope they make no. it through you know so no they're 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 pretty fragile and and um so when you when you step them up and they're on feed that long do you take a little slower approach to to step up or do we take right after them well we kind of take right after them um i guess the diet those not maybe what other people have fed in the past i say we feed a, a tmr yep but it's for the dairymen out there it'd be like their high group tmr in terms of energy protein content um, bypass protein and um for everybody else, it's about a 56 megacal starting them out. And they, we get them right on right away. There's a lot of texture to it. We make them chew their cud in terms of effective NDF. Um, there's not much long hay because, as I mentioned, we kind of like the, the silage and the shorter particles. So they can just eat more. It's just more convenient. The other thing is we also were feeding these in a feed intake system so we can monitor intake. Yep. And long hay and that doesn't work quite so well because it's just the bulkiness and to get enough feed in the bunk. But you know the effective fiber was still running about 11 percent of the of the NDF being chewable fiber, and um, energy was at 56. The protein is fairly high. It was about 18 percent protein, with about 60 percent as bypass protein. So it's 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 similar to what you'd have for a milking cow actually, and we got them on that till they're 500 pounds. And then from there, we move them up the ladder a little bit. Then we go to about a 60 megacal diet and then a 63. And they're out the door by 14 months. So for, gee, man, Christmas. So they, so what your finished ration then would be what percent roughage or? It was about, um, on an effective fiber, would be about four effective fiber. So it's similar to any other feed and steer ration. We're using a lot of byproducts. We're using some sweet bran and distillers grains, you know, as our protein supplement, but nothing fancy, really. But when we can get these calves to perform at four pounds average daily gain and convert at, what, six and a half? Yeah, it was about six. Actually, six? the heifers were right at six on that. It was, I say, when they're feeling good and doing good, they do well. And, but, you know, then like that steer pen, we had a couple chronics yeah. in there. There it slipped. You know, that's, when we, yeah. that's when we blame the bet. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for watching. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about carcass attributes with the Beef on Dairy Cross with Dr. Garland Donkey. Hey, folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Garland Donkey, and we're at the Iowa Beef Center where Dr. Donkey is the research scientist, has been in a uh, staple in Iowa beef production uh, for many, many years. Goes back to the work with Dr. Trenkel, um, who was a staple of the ruminant nutrition world. And, uh, um, you know, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about, you know, we talk about the bad rap, and then we, we talk about the funny shaped ribeye and different things like that, right? That's with right. We hear beef about on that. Dairy, dairy cross calves. But what were some of the things you all saw if you were going to characterize a beef on dairy cross carcass? Well, all these cattle we've fed so far have been sold in, on the grid, you know, so that way everything kind of comes back at you. If you goof up, it's your fault, you know, you, you win or lose. But, you know, the heifers that we fed in this group, we were 100% choice and above with 
37% of them come back as prime, and that was nice, and the rest <laughs> were all choice. And um, I say they did quite well, and you know we got a nice premium from yeah. that. And they were all black too, and I think that's one of the things people complain about the most. If you got a white spot in the wrong place and you're selling into a Angus market, you get hit. They think you got a Holstein then or something. So all black is best when you sell them. Um, with our steers, you know, there we've we've done very well as as well. And I say those that are chronics or not doing quite as well, there you're going to get dinged. You know, so there you'll see a select, but those are not real good. They probably wouldn't have done if they were a purebred Angus. Probably wouldn't have done good either because they weren't feeling well. But those that do well, same thing. You know, we're, the rest are choice and above so far. That, like this one group that I'm kind of referring to, they were 71% CAB. Wow. So it was really nice. And then Great. It was really good. And a lot of primes, you know, in that bunch, of course, as well. You know, and they were, I think the average outweight was 1460. So they weren't humongous either. You know, and they were only 14 months old. Well, I know that when you see uh, Angus semen sales over the last, eight years has just gone like this and it's all going into the the dairy industry i don't think that many ranchers are saying i'm going to increase my ai program yeah just out of convenience i think it's easy to grab a different bull out of the, the jar and they're angus now instead of a holstein yeah and so. and so you're getting the best of the best angus genetics and dairy cattle have always had a propensity to grade that's right that's right so it works very nice. And I think the eating quality is very well, just from growing up, that's what we ate. Yeah. And uh, it was good. And I don't think anybody would have a complaint about it, so. Well, if they're taking 71% of them as CAB, which is our highest end market for the most part in the beef industry, um, that means that carcass is a pretty quality carcass. That's right, that's right. Cool. Well, I just wanna say thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your information with us. Sure. Thanks for what you time. do for the state of Iowa and for our beef producers as well. Yeah, no problem. It's great. It's great. Thank you for watching Doc Talk. We had a great show today talking about beef on dairy cross steers um, and heifers. And if you want to know more about what we do at Doc Talk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. Always work with your local veterinarian and your local nutritionist with Dr. Garland Dalkey. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, and we'll see you down the road.